So years ago, uh, when Maze, my uh, son, was probably one and a half, almost two years old, uh, we were walking down our street. I live up on Gunnison, which is by the Boys and Girls Club, and, and he was little. He was just, you know, walking, and so he would, you know, be stumbling around, and we'd go up and down the street. And this particular time, I was carrying a Coke in my hand, and I was drinking it because I knew this would be a long walk, and he'd be stumbling and falling, and we'd be picking him up, and he'd be going about his way. Now, I want it to be abundantly clear. Mace had never had pop in his life. Okay, I was going to tell you, I wasn't feeding my one-year-old Coca-Cola, right? But you know how you get to the end of the can and there's just like a tiny bit left? And he kept begging me for some. He kept reaching up, please, Dad, let me have some. Please, Dad, let me have some. And so I thought, well, he just wants to hold the can. How much Coke can he really get out of it, right? So that's fine. I just let him have it. He's walking down. He's carrying it like this. And he's trying to drink. And he's hardly getting anything out of it. Well, uh, we walked by this woman, and I could tell this woman was very, very angry. <laughs> like, she looked at me, and it was like she just, like, it was just ripping me apart inside. And I'm thinking, what, what did I do to this woman? And then I realized it was that he was carrying this Coke, and she very, very much disagreed with me letting my child have pop. So she didn't like wait for permission, she just ripped into me. She says, why would you feed your child Coke? Do you know how much sugar is in Coke? And she actually knew the exact amount of grams of sugar. And she told me, she said, do you know how much caffeine is in this for your child? And I, every part of me was like, I felt so uh, condemned, first of all, right? So judged. And I thought, you don't even, you don't understand. Like, I don't, I don't give my kid pop. I don't give my kid caffeine. Uh, you know, we're, he, he eats very healthy. You know, like, you're trying to defend yourself. And then, you, but, but the reality was, it, it just, it, it, it just led me to be angry, right? And I didn't receive anything, she said, because it wasn't actually true. I, too, uh, before I had children, was very judgmental of, of parents, uh, I remember getting on airplanes and when a child was behind me thinking, oh no, like this is just going to be miserable. And then judging the parents as their kids screamed on takeoff and coming down, why can't you keep your kid quiet? And now that I have children, uh, I just pray for those people. And my, my humil- I've been humbled uh, in every, every single way. And It's like when you're a young parent, you have so much pride and you've made all these decisions about how you're going to do things. And I just imagine, even now, my kids are, are 7 and 10 and I've already been humbled. And I imagine it's going to be even more humbling as they become teenagers and adults. The point is this, is that we are quick to judge, are we not? Uh, I, I do it too. I'm not just ripping on this, this woman who I'm thankfully have not seen again. Uh, but I'll tell you one of mine. This is just silly. When I'm all for uh, masks and uh, vaccines and, and all that stuff, but I judge people that drive their car with their mask on with no one else in the car. I don't get it. Take your mask off. It's okay, you know. Now, I probably don't understand that they just forgot or they're just so used to it after two years that they're just still wearing it. But I, I mean, I'm looking at people like, you are crazy. Take that thing off. It's just you. You can't give yourself COVID, you know. It's like, so I keep thinking to myself. So this is the thing. It seems that everybody has an opinion about everything. Does it not? And not a calm opinion 
a measured opinion. It's often an aggressive. Like, if you disagree with me, you are either stupid or horribly evil. And yet, in the midst of a, a context and a culture that is uh, so mean and so judgmental and so arrogant and so proud in all of our opinions, we are just as easily and quick to say to people when they begin to judge us, don't judge me. You have no right. But we judge people all the time in every situation. That's what, like, you know, I don't, I don't really have that strong of an opinion on this whole, like, cancel culture thing, but that's what it is, right? It's like, I don't want to hear from you. You're done. I don't want to ever hear your voice or your opinion on anything ever again. And it's like, wow, you know, that's a, that's a pretty incredible statement to make about anybody, regardless of how wrong they are about the issue that you believe you know everything about. And so I do believe that this passage, when it says in the Bible, and whether you're Christian or not, you've probably used this, that person, you should not judge me, right? Jesus says, do not judge, or you'll be judged. But is Jesus really saying not to judge? It's really important that we understand what Jesus is saying here, because it's clearly being used by everybody, and whenever it's convenient. Is Jesus saying that we shouldn't think critically about things or have opinions about things as being right or wrong? Is Jesus saying that we shouldn't make moral evaluations about what's happening all around us and in the world? Is Jesus saying that we should never tell anybody what to do or how to live? It's hard to make that case because just a few verses later, Jesus calls the Pharisees dogs. <laughs> right? He, he calls them wolves wearing sheep costumes. He talks later, he says, you'll recognize people's hearts by the fruit in their lives. Well, you can say, well, Jesus is God, so of course he's allowed to make judgments, and he's the one declaring that. But Paul and Peter and James seem to make moral judgments about what's good and right. They're willing to call out people in the churches that they're helping to start when they're living wrongly. They're even willing to call out one another. So it has to mean something different than simply being opinionless or having no moral conviction or even just not to call anybody out when they're living wrong. I think that judgment probably means something like this is to pass a sentence on somebody else, is to condemn, is, a, is to make a decision on somebody without compassion, humility, without the authority to do so, or with all the facts. See, someone that is judging, as in this context, is somebody that has made up their decision on this person. And I think that they, they often uh, do these four things. Number one, they fail to have compassion. I think that what I have learned is uh, that compassion is the way that we should approach people because we often don't know what they're actually going through. So people take action in the world. They do things. And we never ask the question of why. We know it's bad, but why did they do that thing? We don't know uh, if they just lost, lost a loved one. We don't know if they're sick. We don't know if how they grew up. We don't know the battles that they're facing in their life. We don't know, uh, you know, 
all, all sorts of things. All we know is that we disagree with their action and opinions, but we can still show compassion in the midst of disagreement. The second thing I think that judging people do is that they don't recognize that they do the same thing. Romans verse, chapter 2, verse 1 says, You judge others, you condemn yourself, because you practice the exact same things. I think that much of what people are frustrated about when you confront them or when you are going through this action of judging, what Jesus is concerned about is hypocrisy, right? That's why he tells, this is supposed to be a joke, you know, like the, the plank in one eye and, and you're, you're picking out the, the, the dust in someone else's eye. It's supposed to be funny. I, you, we probably don't pick on, up on this, but people would have laughed. It's because it's so ridiculous. Like, how would you, with this huge plank in your eye, walk up to someone and say, hey, you got, a, you got something in your eye, right? It's supposed to be so extreme. But Jesus is saying is that we condemn and we judge other people. We fail to forgive others for the very things that we do ourselves. We even do this, I think, with things that we often struggle with ourselves the most. Uh, a psychologist might call this like a projection on somebody else, right? That you're struggling with something and yourself, and so when you see it in somebody else, you're quick to condemn. Where actually, that should cause you greater compassion, greater humility. I think about this. Um, I think Gary actually brought this up a few weeks ago. John 8, the woman that's caught in adultery. Um, have you ever thought about this? Like, where was the man that was committing adultery? <laughs> like, why didn't they? I, like, I've always just, like, read that passage and, like, yeah, she shouldn't have been doing that, you know? Like, Jesus shows her compassion. It's like, there was a guy, too. Why isn't he being dra- dragged out in front of Jesus? And then the question is, is how did they know that she was committing adultery? You ever thought about that? Was, were they having an affair outside? I think if you dig a little deeper, that maybe these men were going to do the same thing. And that they found her doing it with somebody else and were angry and brought it before Jesus. I always was curious what Jesus wrote in the sands. My, my, my guess is that he was writing out the people's sins <laughs> that he didn't even know. Like they were standing there and he was just like, well, you did this and you did this. And they're all like, oh. And then they said, well, can you condemn her, right? And like, could not. Now Jesus doesn't, of course, doesn't condone the sin. He says, go and sin no more. But I have compassion on you. I have uh, forgiveness for you is available. Don't, go, don't keep living that way any longer. The third thing that I think we'd want to know about judging is that often our judgment is surface-based. Uh, this gets a little bit to the compassion things, but I think it has to do a little bit more with just facts. We don't always have all the facts. We make so many determinations based on appearance, but not everything is, appear- is what it appears. The enemy is a master in making something seem like one thing when it's actually another. John 7, 51 says, uh, it says, Even the law says you don't judge a man until you hear the facts. And so often we are quick. I, I just like, 
I think that we think about people and we, we know this thing is, is wrong. When someone steals, that is wrong. Have we ever asked the question why they steal? Derek, I'm going to ask you it. No. <laughs> you laughed. You laughed. Why, why might somebody turn to violence? Why might somebody uh, be a prostitute? Why might, these things that we just are so certain are wrong, and I think we're probably right. We're stealing from somebody else. But why? Ask the question, trying to understand. A lot of times our judgment is just on the surface. Does that make sense? And the fourth thing is that the judger often puts oneself in the place of God. Romans 14.10 says, But why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? Why are you making yourself to be judged? Because in the end, every single one of us will have to stand before the actual judge, God himself. And so some situations, in most situations, we aren't the authority. And we can, in most cases, trust that God is the righteous and good judge and will handle it for us. I think that judgment comes down to this. It makes us feel better about ourselves when we got something on that other person. When you're smarter or holier or that person just doesn't seem to understand. And the ability to to condemn them or to judge them or to crush them makes us feel better about our own lives, our own ways. So I think what Jesus would encourage us to do is maybe the difference between having like a disdain for certain things and having discernment around what is right and wrong. These are people that, discernment would be people that make moral evaluations about what is right and wrong based on the life of Jesus. I think that they would examine their self first, somebody that is, is showing discernment. Two, they would check the accuracy of the facts Put it to the test. A few years ago, um, I felt like somebody was falsely accusing me of something. That they had taken uh, my words and twisted them or even just told flat out lies to other people in order for people to uh, become enemies of me or not like me or to, to kind of disassociate with me. And that was just brutal. It's just horrible when you feel like somebody is intentionally misleading so that, and then other people make their judgments upon you. So it's important that we get the accuracy in the facts. And the third thing I would encourage, and this can't always be done because there's all sorts of reasons why you wouldn't want to do this privately if someone's abusing you or causing you harm or many other things. But I do think that if, if possible, deal with it privately is a way that we can handle things that makes it not about us, but really truly about helping this other person grow if they are in the wrong. You don't have to make everything a family discussion. Instead of gossiping, which I would would just explain gossiping, is discussing matters with someone who's neither part of the problem or the solution. (laughs) Or slandering, telling the truth but with the intent of hurting someone's name and reputation. And I think that so many things are individual conversations as opposed to family discussions. Jesus uh, goes on to sort of make a larger point. 
and he leads this conversation about judgment right into the Pharisees and how he viewed the Pharisees. Because he believed that they were these people that were judging, these people that were condemning, these people that were trying to get this, this um, moral behavior right but didn't really care about issues of the heart. And essentially what he was saying to the, the, the people he was speaking to is if you follow these Pharisees, it's like the blind leading the blind. If you follow them, they'll lead you right into a ditch. And the next uh, saying seems to cement this point. He says, students can't advance beyond their teachers. Essentially saying that if you follow the wrong teachers, if you follow these blind guides, if you follow these people that, are, uh, that judge and condemn and, and, and cause people harm in this way, then you too will become just like them. You will not be able to ascend above them and live differently. You'll just, in the end of the day, be another Pharisee. So be very careful who you follow. Jesus is challenging his hearers to break out of the molds that they are being offered, the religious leaders of the day are offering, and to come to the startling new way he is pioneering. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is not like that. kingdom that Jesus preached and lived was all about the glorious, uproarious, absurd generosity. When Jesus says, "God will, if you, if you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. If, if you condemn, you'll be condemned. If you, know, if you judge, you'll be judged. If you don't give, then you won't be given generously to. I think it's less about this kind of like tit for tat that God's going to play with you. Like if you don't do this thing, God's going to punish you. I think it's, it's more of this idea that you have missed entirely what God is all about. And if you miss entirely what God is all about, you're going to be judgmental. You're going to be condemning. You're going to be unforgiving. You're going to, be, uh, you're going to hoard instead of being generous and kind. Jesus is saying, if you do those things, you've missed the whole thing. You've missed what all the kingdom of God is all about. It's supposed to reveal to us that if you are judgmental, condemning, fail to forgive, and aren't merciful, then you have missed God entirely. If you do to other people, people will then do that to you. You will reap what you sow. The measure with which you judge others will be used to you, and you will be in the same spot as everybody else. And the reason that we want to live a different way, and the reason we want to live God's kingdom ethic it's because this is what Jesus is like, is he not? God is generous to all people, generous to a fault. He provides good things for all to enjoy, the undeserving as well as the deserving. He is astonishingly merciful. If any of us were to truly look deep into our own hearts and to know the, the mistakes and the pain and the, the idolatry and the, 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 the mistakes that we've made and the sin that lives in us. And still goes on to experience God's grace and love will agree that God is astonishingly merciful. So how can we, his forgiven children, be any less merciful? Only when people discover that this is the sword of God 
that they are dealing with, will they have any chance of making their own, this way of life, their own? I want to close with uh, verse 38 of this passage. This is probably the most confusing uh, verse in the, in the whole thing because we don't really understand what's going on. But you can see it here. It says, A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured out into your lap. What is he talking about? Well, in, the, in a marketplace at the time, uh, the, a seller would, they'd, you'd bring a container and a, sell, a seller would pour grain into that container. And this is the image of the seller not ripping you off. Okay, So the seller is taking the grain that's being poured in there and he's shaking it down so that it fills the whole container. He's pressing it down so that you make sure you get your full amount. And what essentially what's happening is, is saying is that this, this uh, God that we, that we serve, the God that we love, that Jesus is, is, is declaring and proclaiming and is in himself the very uh, uh, image of that, of that invisible God to the world, is saying that, that God shakes the container to make sure you get your full. But it doesn't just get full, but that it, it's overflowing. It's running over. And that grace and that mercy and that goodness is then poured onto your lap. It's supposed to give this image of this never-ending mercy, this never-ending love, this never-ending forgiveness of God. And we, too, are called to give good measure To give other people the same type of grace and forgiveness that God bestows upon us. What if we were people that, that received and accepted God's compassion for us? What if we offered it to others in the same way? I'm not sure <laughs> that the world is really ready for a group of people that have conviction and compassion Truth and love, courage and humility in the context that we're in today where everybody's the judge and everybody's condemned.